You're listening to Spice Radio 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we're talking about the case for improved foreign credential recognition in Canada, and we are now speaking to Margareta Dovgal, Managing Director at Resource Work Society. Margareta, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Pleasure to be here. Good morning, Karen. Margareta, walk us through the challenges that face skilled immigrants to Canada today. How does that fit into the labor shortages that are being observed across the country? Well, let me start with the second part of the question here, just for a second. Uh, as we saw the COVID-19 pandemic, some truly unprecedented events uh, and outcomes. Uh, We're now in the post-pandemic period, but uh, boy, are we living with uh, all the uncertainty and disruption uh, that took place. Uh, It took a lot of people out of work, uh, of course. It uh, massively affected our housing market. Uh, Movement of people into the country was, of course, also affected. Um, But we've bounced back, and a lot of that came down to large investments uh, being made by government uh, to keep people solvent and uh, a lot of investments uh, that people took themselves in their own education. Um, So a lot of uh, different trends occurred. Uh, Some people started working from home. They changed careers. Uh, Many people bought property. uh, And businesses, since the pandemic came to an end, uh, have also been spending a lot of money trying to build back up to where they were or better uh, since the pandemic took place. Um, so the result of many of all of these things is that we're facing an incredible labor shortage. You know, anyone who walks by and sees a help wanted sign here, there, everywhere uh, probably is tuned into this. And uh, that affects many sectors and types of work. Uh, it, you know, burst of the coffee shops. Uh, it's engineers for specific uh, uh, roles in industry. It's uh, qualified welders uh, to work on sustainable jobs and uh, new technologies uh, to enable us to get to net zero by 2050 across the country. Uh, And of course, when employers can't get any job filled, uh, or the jobs that they really need filled, uh, the work that could be done and could be a big part of contributing to our economy doesn't get done, or it's done at greater cost. And that affects our overall productivity. Uh, Economists use that term uh, really to understand what is earned. Uh, by the investor, by society, from every dollar that is invested in the business activity. And the higher that productivity is, the more benefits flow through the entire system. Uh, but uh, overall concern is, despite uh, roaring immigration, which we're going to talk about, to where effectively experiencing what without immigration could be demographic collapse. Uh, our population is aging at an absolutely unprecedented rate. Our natural uh, population growth rate is very, very low. And uh, that's a complicated way of saying Canadians just aren't having kids. Uh, not nearly at the rate you would need to support uh, the base of uh, folks who are not anymore tax- net taxpayers. You need lots of people working, paying uh, income taxes to governments uh, so that we have enough to pay for health care costs. It increases your population ages. Um, but, of course, there's also the uh, workers to fulfill necessary functions component. Uh, so, of course, the federal government and provincial governments across the country, B.C. being a good example, are incredibly pro-immigration. And that's the right approach. We need people. People want to come here. Canada is a wonderful country to, to come to and live in. And, uh, you know, my parents took a, a similar bet when they came here in the 90s. But we are running into some serious challenges. And uh, as many people would observe, our immigration system is not efficient. Uh, there are some serious problems that different levels of government at this point, I think, are realizing between getting the right balance um, on volume and fit. So we're making up uh, for challenges in getting exactly the right people and exactly the roles we need them in um, by just cranking up the total number of people coming into the country, using every tool under the sun to get there. Uh, post-secondary institutions, uh, especially those that uh, cater and heavily market to international students, are, of course, cashing in in a big way, and that's become a really big part of the 
population growth that we're seeing. And while we're getting more people into all kinds of high-demand fields, including services and unskilled labor, I think we're leaving a lot of skills on the table. And I wanted just to share a personal story here. My mom came to this country with a master's degree in education. Uh, she was from the former Soviet Union, and she actually studied German in school. I looked at immigrating there, not to an English-speaking country like Canada, but, you know, she met my dad, and uh, she arrived uh, not long after uh, they, they got married in the early 90s, and she spent uh, years throughout my childhood trying to learn English to get to a satisfactory level, but she wasn't able to get anything like the kind of job she had been qualified for back in her home country. She did find a career that she loved as an esthetician, uh, but it certainly wasn't what she had trained for. Uh, my dad worked as a security guard, a pizza delivery driver, you know, whatever he could do. Maybe, you know, if I'd grown up in the Uber era, that's what he would have been doing instead. Um, but I had a good working-class upbringing, living in Surrey for most of my formative years, and many of my friends then had parents in a similar situation. They'd come to this country with one set of skills, and they found work if they did somewhere else. And sometimes that disparity with the education, the qualifications, um, and what people actually end up doing uh, is quite startling. And unfortunately, it persists today. Uh, that problem, I feel, to a large extent, has only gotten worse. And maybe that's just the volume increasing. Uh, but I know of two recent immigrants, uh, both uh, from European countries with master's degrees, who submitted hundreds of job applications and got virtually no callbacks, uh, which is really absurd given the labor shortage that apparently we're experiencing. Mm-hmm, certainly, even we hear of similar stories over here. So what are federal and provincial governments doing to improve the situation? Well, there's a lot of interest in this right now. Um, the BC government actually just uh, released the results of a survey that they did this spring. Uh, they spoke to several hundred, I think maybe thousand uh, respondents uh, thereabouts in total uh, to try to understand what the real pressures are. Um, and they're working on everything from investments to legislation to try to improve the situation. Federal government's aware of it too, um, but to quote Andrew Mercy, the Minister of State for Workforce Development, uh, we heard from regulators, post-secondary institutions, and internationally trained professionals that the system isn't working. And he said, this is a question of fairness and about making sure that internationally trained professions have the support they need to succeed in practice in BC. And uh, that report came out with eight themes for improvement. Uh, you need to streamline complex processes, shorten timelines, and have people just sitting around hoping and praying someone calls them back and not getting support from government uh, that, you know, put the call out for them to come here in the first place um, while critical job functions are not being filled elsewhere in the economy. Uh, we need to improve the accessibility, consistency, and transparency about um, how people can get uh, their licenses or credentials recognized. Uh, lots of alternative pathways need to be explored for credential recognition, and that could mean upskilling. That could mean someone has bridging programs that they need to take uh, so they don't have to you know, do a degree from scratch in a field they're already well-equipped uh, to practice in. Um, also exploring more flexible approaches to demonstrate language proficiency. Uh, going back to my mom's story, that's a very important one. And introducing performance standards for data and reporting, uh, financial and other supports for uh, those who are internationally trained, um, professionals, but also the regulatory authorities, and improving coordination between different levels of government, because uh, we're, we're a multi-jurisdictional country. Federal government uh, sets a, a significant portion of the immigration framework for the country, but uh, provinces have a very large role to play in the labor, skills, and jobs piece. And then ultimately just strengthening collaboration between different sectors and industries in this. Um, federal government has seen it too. They're uh, making some investments in getting more healthcare workers in because it's a very high uh, unmet need right now. But there's still a lot of work ahead. And uh, I'm hoping to see the BC government come out with 
lots more cash, lots more action, and uh, just a, a willingness to bust through some of the structural inefficiencies that are keeping people who have the skills, who have the desire and commitment to work here. They've come to this country, uh, into, getting them into roles that are meaningful for them and their families, and also enable us to grow our economy as well. Mm-hmm. And what should they be doing to ensure people's skills are meaningfully utilized? Well, I think we saw a little bit of that in the recommendations of the report that I ran through there. Um, but one of the stories I hear personally quite a bit, and this was certainly uh, reflected in my own family's experience, is that newcomers don't know where to start. Uh, the way government works here in Canada is not necessarily the way it works in other places. Uh, the way employers look at your skills and your credentials uh, may vary massively between uh, different countries based on their culture and the types of industries that are there and uh, how post-secondary institutions fit into the mix. Um, so I think helping people navigate the system overall is a key priority. There's been a huge amount of work in creating the foundation for that. Uh, I like to tell uh, every time I run across an Uber driver who is you know, telling me his life story and uh, how he has a degree and, uh, you know, likes what he does now, might be a commercial trucker by day, do some Uber on the side, uh, has a degree, doesn't know how to get it recognized. I always like to say, sir, please go to workbc.ca. Uh, I'll say that again, workbc.ca. It's a wonderful website, and uh, it, there's uh, a number of tools there that can help uh, newcomers and really anyone who's listening to this program navigate through career opportunities, educational requirements that are needed, um, kind of looking at, okay, I have a skill or I want to develop a skill. There, I hear there's labor shortages. I'm not sure how to get hired. I'm having trouble getting hired. Um, and websites like that one and tools like that one can really help people navigate uh, through the system. And overall, as, as the BC government's report said, if uh, we can achieve those objectives, that will contribute towards creating and building a diverse workforce that supports a strong economy and ultimately a better BC. Um, and I'll say one more thing. Um, I think we need to ensure that there's fairness and equity baked into this as well. Uh, a lot of international students are vulnerable. Uh, they're being targeted right now by unscrupulous people. And even sometimes post-secondary institutions aren't really preparing them for the reality and the true costs of education in Canada. And that's putting stress not only on those newcomers, uh, international students, many of whom want to stay in this country, uh, but are coming under financial hardship and stress uh, because of that decision, uh, but also it's putting stress on social supports in communities uh, like food banks in Toronto that are just getting an unprecedented number of uh, international students coming and begging for food. Uh, that's, that's not a functional solution, and particularly in other areas like housing, we need to make sure that as we increase the population, we're doing everything possible to enable people to have a place to live, live affordably, and not get into tough times while they're here fixing a challenge that Canada faces. One more thing. Canada has among the fastest-growing populations in the G7. What will the impact of all this immigration be in the long term? Well, last year's population growth rate was 2.7%. Um, a little bit of that must have been you know, backlog and the pent-up demand from the pandemic. Uh, but, you know, let's say it continues. Um, you know, we could be looking at 100 million people by the mid-2050s. Uh, 35 years from now, we could have over 100 million people if we keep the pace. Um, that said, it, it is going to be tempered by a declining natural growth rate. Uh, we're not having kids. We're going to have even less kids. Um, and even with all of this growth as a whole, our population is aging. But um, depending on which scenario you look at, uh, low growth, high growth, um, there's still going to be a huge amount of turnover, uh, and the culture and the look and the feel of our communities is going to change. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I have a lot of trust in the open hearts and community spirit of Canadians. 
we are equipped to welcome people from a values perspective. But it's still a change, and we need to be ready for that change. And both society as a whole and specific cultural communities are going to be under a lot of pressure to help newcomers adapt, not only find work, but find support, uh, find language training, find uh, belonging and a sense of camaraderie. Um, and I'm excited by that opportunity and that challenge. But I'm nervous as well about the investments in infrastructure and skills development and uh, housing at an adequate pace that are needed to get there. So uh, the pressure is on now. Um, we're pursuing the most reasonable solution for the challenges that we face as a population nationwide, which is to increase immigration. But it's now up to different levels of government and voters to make the message clear that if we're going to be increasing our population at this rate, we need to be increasing what we invest to ensure everyone has a good, solid outcome as we improve the future for all Canadians. Margareta, thank you so much for your time. And yes, what a relevant topic. A lot of conversation around this. Appreciate it. You have a wonderful weekend. You too, man, Karen.